precisely the kind of discrepancy and economic injustice that Maitreya says is fraught with so, make, so much tension it could easily lead to us destroying ourselves. Fortunately, he feels that we will not do that. And uh, Ma- Maitreya, considering his record in, in forecasts, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take his word for it because well, uh, I need to. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be curled up in a ball exactly. uh, and not getting out of bed. But That's t- the good news. Yeah. Maitreya has said the end is known from the beginning and my forces of light shall surely triumph. And when he says something like that, there is no doubt. And that is a foretaste of this episode of the Planetary Makeover Show. In response to the heartfelt voices of an awakening humanity, we have evidence that divine help is at hand to work with us to create a hopeful future. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, David Minot. Delighted to be here and bringing you good news. But let's start with a question. What if great forecasts were made back in 1988, all of which came true? Let me give you some examples. The fall of the Berlin Wall, the dissolution of the Soviet Union, the end of apartheid in South Africa with Nelson Mandela being released from jail and becoming president. Who would have believed all of that? And all of this leading up to the rise in people power. A force so strong that no authority on the planet could withstand its power. Showing us just the birth pangs of a new civilization. Well, today our guest, Mark Gregory, as interviewed by podcaster Silito Pasquale, will lay out all of the evidence that we have to date. And these forecasts, you're probably wondering, where did they come from originally? From a figure known as Maitreya, the world teacher, whom many people across the globe are expecting an emergence, a full emergence in public view. Now, Maitreya is a spiritual teacher, not a religious figure, not looking for followers, doesn't expect you to believe in him. And he himself, his emergence, was forecast thousands of years ago by Gautama Buddha, amongst others. So now, today, Mark Gregory and Silito Pasquale will discuss these forecasts, bringing us up to 2016. When we return, we'll bring ourselves up again, up to today. Enjoy. I'm Silito Pasquale. I'm podcasting from Seattle, Washington. Very glad to have all our regular listeners tuning in and welcoming all our new listeners to this show, which presents thought-provoking views behind the news. Um, This is show number 31. We have many shows behind us. 
Uh, we've spoken to as many people with different perspectives on an extraordinary event unfolding today. And that event is the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, with his group, the Masters of Wisdom. And we present the story of the emergence every week, presenting a different angle on the story. And what we focus on are three points. One, that humanity has never, ever been alone. Two, that humanity has help of an extraordinary kind, has always had help uh, available. And three, the solutions to the world's gravest, gravest challenges that we as humanity face, those solutions are within our grasp. Thanks to, again, the emergence of Maitreya into full public life with the Masters of Wisdom. So the angle that we're looking at the perspective that we're looking at today on this event is from an extraordinary period of time um, between 1988 and about 1993. We're going to look at historic world events and the startling predictions of Maitreya and how the forecasts of Maitreya continue to unfold today. And my guest, I'm very pleased to to introduce to our uh, audience today is Mark Gregory. He is a musician and an English teacher living in the Bay Area who has seen a lot, been to many places, met many people, and correlates what he sees in the outer world with his understanding of the ageless wisdom teachings uh, and this event unfolding today, uh, bringing the spiritual kingdom closer to the human kingdom and vice versa through the emergence of Maitreya. Welcome, Mark. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Well, thank you, Salito, and thanks for that very kind introduction, which I hope I can live up to, but we'll, we'll do what we can do, okay? <laughs> I have absolute faith in you, Mark. You will absolutely share information that is, is going to really in, intrigue our audience and have them uh, curious for more. So, let's jump right into the story of forecasts. Um, just to let our audience know the lay of the land of the show, tell us the, the, the major world events that you're going to uh, speak on related to this series of forecasts from Maitreya. Sure. Well, in the late 80s, Maitreya, through the ages of Share International Magazine and an associate of his, made some absolutely startling predictions and forecasts about events that were about to happen and would have an extraordinarily positive effect on the world at large. And of interest is the fact that these uh, forecasts have almost all of them come true. And when I say all of almost, I mean some are still in the process of coming true. So it's not as if he missed the mark, so to speak. It's just as if uh, certain things take longer to play out and to become manifest than others. In that time, uh, and I'd like to preface it with this, if I may. It's one thing to look back in history and say, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah, that happened. That was great. It's quite another thing to be there in the moment and watch something extraordinary unfold. Because when you're back there in the moment, only then can you have a feel of how extraordinary it was. Because of my age, I'm 60, I happen to be able to 
say I was there. And so I understand how people's minds were set at that time. And then I understand also how unbelievably stunning and, and hope inspiring these, uh, these forecasts were. And then the fact that they came true. And I was there as well because I'm not that much younger than you. <laughs> and, and it was an extraordinary time. And, um, uh, for the younger people in our audience, hopefully we can convey um, uh, for for those or, or those who were not in this, uh, not plugged into the news at the time. Um, it it was extraordinary to to read these forecasts and which flew in the face of logic, really prevailing logic. Right. Uh, um, I must say, and I, I can remember, I can remember a number of, of, of those forecasts. And so this is a fun show for me because it reminds me where my head was at back then and, and how I was regarding this whole uh, event uh, the, of, of Maitreya and the Masters and reading the information, seeing what's happening in the news. And so I'm, I'm really, I'm glad that you and I both are. <laughs> are still paying attention in the way that we are. So uh, tell us about the events that you'll cover, and then we'll go into more depth uh, with each of the events. Certainly. Well, perhaps one of the most spectacular was the release from prison and the subsequent path that was taken by Nelson Mandela. Mm. After having been imprisoned under the apartheid system in South Africa for 27 years... No one at the time would have foreseen that he was about to be released. And far more than that, no one would have ever believed that he would eventually become president of South Africa. If you had said to anyone in 1984 and 1985, Mandela will be released and within 10 years, he will be president of South Africa. People would have looked at you and said, you're balmy. But indeed, that is exactly what happened. In September of 1988, Maitreya predicted, and it was published then in Share International Magazine, that Mandela would indeed be released from prison, that there had been a rapprochement between black and white leaders in South Africa, and that his release was imminent. And in fact, on February 11th, 1990, Mandela was indeed released. And then once again, as we all know, he went on to become the elected president of South Africa. So that one was absolutely stunning. Another, and I'll just touch upon these lightly and we can get into them in more detail. Mm -hmm. Another was the downfall of Margaret Thatcher in England. Uh, also in September 1998, when Thatcher was at or near the peak of her popularity, Maitreya said that she would soon retire, that things had, will reverse for her, and that as a result of her own actions, she would be forced to leave office. And indeed, when she tried to implement a poll tax, which is unfair, which is essentially a tax on voting in England, the idea proved to be so popular that in 88, Maitreya said that she would resign. And unpopular. Unpopular. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. So in September of 88, Maitreya said she would resign, but at that point, she was still hugely popular in England. But by November of 1990, which is when she resigned, quite extraordinarily, she found that her career in politics was over. 
this this as well was not expected. Margaret Thatcher uh, was a very powerful and popular leader throughout the 80s, and no one would have expected in 1987 or 1988 when these predictions were made that her political life would end so abruptly and that her popularity would take such a downfall. So those are just two rather exceptional situations that were forecast by Maitreya and published in Share International and uh, came about. And I'll just jump in right here to say that um, Share, Share International magazine is in print form and, uh, and in online form, and you can visit that site, uh, share-international.org. And this, this podcast is inspired by Share International, um, and um, a, most all, pretty much all of our information comes from Share International and its chief editor, Mr. Benjamin Krem, who has published uh, a, a dozen and a half books on the topic of the emergence of Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom. So do visit the site, share-international.org. It is rich. So, Mark, you were just touching on the different world events uh, that we'll go deeper into on this show. What are some other events um, uh, that took place in the world that Maitreya anticipated that we would have never expected? Right. And, you know, just uh, reiterating once again, to try and emphasize just how extraordinary these forecasts were and the fact that they came true, you really have to go back and put yourself in the mindset of the mid to late 1980s and try and remember how people were thinking then. It was actually a long time ago, and the world has changed a great deal since then. But Maitreya also predicted that the two Germanys would be reunited, that symbolically for the world it would present a model of the hopefully appropriate marriage of Western-style democracy and Eastern-style socialism. So that was one of the first times that that came about. Maitreya made that prediction in April of 1990, and Germany reunified in October of 1990. Now, that reunification has not been without its bumps in the road, but nothing on this planet ever goes that way. And in part, it's something that I wanted to bring up. It's because Maitreya is able from his incredibly exalted vantage point to read motion, to read movements of energy, to read tendencies. He can see the way the human race thinks on mass and he can, he can make predictions and do this. And he is extraordinarily accurate, but we affect the world in a way that we are sometimes not completely aware of. I mean, on mass, human behavior, human thinking has an extraordinary effect on the world. So even someone like Maitreya can make a forecast, but things can change based on human activity, based mm -hmm. on what humans bring about themselves. So it's, you know, it's not a parlor trick and it's not a kind of, you know, silly, low-level psychism. It's about reading monumental currents of energy from a vantage point that only he can speak from, and then issuing forth these forecasts. And uh, this is essentially 
where we're looking at understanding the law, one of the laws of life, the law of cause and effect. Um, and um, so this, it's very, it's very fascinating. Where, as you say, where this is not about divine fiat. This is, he's not uh, uh, sealing our fate here with certain events. Um, and we'll get into more into the understanding of the law of cause and effect. Are there other events that you want to touch on? Sure, quickly. It was uh, very quickly because they're kind of fun to go back and, and revisit. Um, in the summer of 1989, when the first President Bush uh, was rather popular and then subsequent to the first Gulf War, which made the first President Bush extremely popular and it moves his approval ratings to uh, almost unprecedented highs, Maitreya said that in fact that president, President Bush number one, his days were numbered and that the next president of the United States would be a Democrat. Uh, Maitreya made that prediction and it was published in January of February of 1991 when Mr. Bush was writing a, a very high crest and a very high wave of, popu wave of popularity. But as we know, in November of 1992, Bill Clinton was rather resoundingly elected as president, and George Bush Sr. became a one-term president. Uh, and another might be the – an interesting one would be the descent from power of Mr. Gorbachev in Russia, and I'll just take a moment with this. Uh, although he's viewed with mixed feelings in Russia, Mr. Gorbachev – is a hero to many of us in the Western world because of the changes in life that he helped facilitate. I, for one, of the age that I grew up in the Cold War period, and so I remember prior to Mr. Gorbachev's arrival on the scene, the tension, the competitiveness, the, uh, the threat of massive violence, the constant conflict between the Eastern Bloc and the Western powers. With and, the arrival and the shadow of a, a potential nuclear war as well. Exactly. Looming overhead, I remember that. Exactly. And, you know, you just sort of, if you came of age at that time, you just sort of assumed that if we were very lucky, you know, the world would not blow itself up. But I rather assumed that that would be the, the story for my entire life, mm -hmm. that there would just be these two armed camps, as Mr. Kremis once said, with these huge arsenals pointed at each other. All of a sudden, and, you know, not without the influence of Maitreya, along comes Mr. Gorbachev and provides a whole new openness, provides, you know, brings a sort of warm-hearted contrast to the behavior of all of his predecessors to, the, to bear. And the world responded to this man in an extraordinary fashion because he himself was so inspired to, to try to alleviate this monumental tension between East and West. Maitreya said that even though his changes were right, Mr. Gorbachev tried to implement them too soon and that it would not work in Russia. And indeed, it did not. In January and February of 1990, Maitreya said that Gorbachev didn't anticipate the effect of his policies and they were perhaps 
happening too fast and that he would eventually be replaced and very soon. That, uh, as I said, was said in 1990 and Gorbachev resigned on Christmas Day in 1991. So there again, you know, you have a lead time of over a year or at least a year whereby Maitreya's predictions and his forecasts, although completely unexpected, came true. And some of these forecasts came as much as two years in advance. Exactly. And, and so much can happen in two years um, in any direction uh, when it comes to world events. Um, let's let's circle back. Well, is are there any more? And then we'll go into depth on a couple of these things because a couple of these events. Because it, it, I don't know if you want to go in this direction, but I, uh, you and I know that Maitreya appeared to Gorbachev and Nel- and appeared to Nelson. Mandela. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but are there any other events that you want to touch on before we go further? Well, not any. I think that we can. He made many pr- predictions. He made many forecasts on various subjects. And if you go back and look at the Share International magazines or the archives from that time, uh, readers who are uh, readers or listeners who are interested in that can find that information. I think that. We've covered four major ones, and so maybe we should move into something else. Yeah. So, uh, again, for our listeners at share-international, it's all spelled out, dot O-R-G, there is a summary of, uh, of these forecasts online. You can do a search of the website, and you'll find them easily enough. Um, I, I remember... Uh, Everything around um, Nelson Mandela prior to his release from prison, I was plugged into that news quite a bit, seeing the footage of protests in South Africa. I recall, um, gosh, he, uh, Nelson, the news was coming out that Nelson Mandela had been diagnosed. I, I don't remember what physical ailment he had, but it was fully expected he would die in prison. And... Uh, I remember statements where, um, you know, South African leadership would say, if we release Nelson Mandela, because there's a huge cry from, you know, an international cry to to release him. Uh, If our listeners recall, musicians and bands were boycotting performances in South Africa. That's right. Um, There were uh, 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 songs on the radio protesting what was happening in South Africa. There was an economic boycott of South African, uh, um, uh, you know, calls for for universities and, and such to divest from investment in, in South Africa. So it was a major, major movement and a tremendous amount of public attention. And yet it, it was just a real hopeful dream a dream that Nelson Mandela would be released. Do you want to talk about um, how Maitreya appeared to Nelson Mandela? Well, you know, I'm not sure I have the entire story straight, but you know, Maitreya suggested to Nelson Mandela that he write a letter to Mr. De Klerk. Well, he appeared to him literally in yeah. his jail cell on Robbins Island. Right, um, okay. And... Uh, it, the story is that Nelson Mandela recognized him immediately as the Christ. Right. Yeah. And 
So he suggested to Mandela to write a letter to Mr. de Klerk saying, you know, pointing out certain things that apartheid must end, that it does no good to keep me in prison, da da da, da. And Mandela was rather humorous in his response. It's, he, is, he was initially skeptical. He said, that will never happen. It's pointless to write de Klerk a letter. That will, and Maitreya sort of said, just try it, you know, just and, take and my Man- advice. Mandela apparently couldn't even, he said, I can't even get an uh, appointment with the, the warden of the prison. Right. So uh, to to send a letter to the clerk and request the meeting seemed, uh, even for him, extremely far-fetched. Exactly. And especially we remember that he had been in prison for 27 years. So he did heed Maitreya's suggestion. He wrote the clerk the letter. And lo and behold, the clerk was not only responsive to the letter, but, you know, uh, the process was started by which Mandela was eventually free. And it was a, apparently a, a very secretive initial process because, of course, if anything leaked out to the public, it could be extremely detrimental um, to to the related parties involved. Um, mm. And I remember the footage on the news watching uh, uh, Nelson Mandela stepping out. I guess it was on the tarmac mm-hmm. uh, at the airport uh, with uh, Winnie Mandela, his wife, by his side. And I was in New York at the time, and uh, a whole uh, days later, I don't know, a week later, the Nelson Mandela's motorcade is is gliding down uh, Fulton Avenue in Brooklyn. That was <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful time, and and to know that uh, this was part of uh, my understanding of Maitreya's information, it was really heartening. And before we go any further, Mark, let's talk a little bit more about the purpose what you think the purpose uh, was in releasing these forecasts. Again, they were published in Share International between 1988 and about 1994. And Share International tracked events in the world and correlated them with these forecasts. But really, what, what was, what's the purpose in, in knowing these things? I think one of the primary purposes is to indicate to humanity the law of cause and effect, that there are profound ramifications for our actions, and to illustrate to us how those laws can play out for good and for ill. That everything that we do has its reverberation, and it, it, it sets every cause we set into motion will eventually bring about a certain effect. So. One of the key things, I think, is to put it very simply, you know, we can live in harmony and we can share and we can act like the one human family that we are. And we can, if I put it very simply, obey the will of God and we will flourish and thrive. And the extent to which we turn our backs on that will, the extent to which we continue to indulge ourselves in the old competitive largely capitalistic, largely greed-based and consumption-based ways, it is that to that extent which we will suffer. And, you know, the entire issue with respect to cooperating as opposed to continuing to compete, that whole issue could not be more starkly presented before us right now, most especially with global warming with the economic discrepancies that exist in the world, humanity really has a big choice to make. And that is, is central to everything that Maitreya has said, 
going back 30 years, we have a choice to make. We can either learn to live as brothers and sisters in peace and harmony, take care of our planet the way we know we should, or we can suffer the consequences of uh, turning our back on the divine will and on the divine plan. And in short, being responsible for what we do. Um, another way I like to think of God's will, uh, obeying God's will, is following the laws of life. Uh, when we follow those laws, when we act on the truth of our unity, um, act on the truth of the power of sharing, we reap uh, what we sow from that. Exactly. Uh, and it's I mean, so simple. Yes, go ahead. I mean, the two, I think the two fundamental laws that are most at play here are the law of karma, that what you set into motion has an effect. It's, it's not only a law on this planet, it is an immutable law throughout cosmos. Mm -hmm. And it is far better understood by other civilizations than ours. We're still struggling with it because we don't, even though the indications and the the symptoms of our misunderstanding of it are smacking us as you, smacking us in the face, as it were, on a daily basis. We still seem to be struggling with it. Another law that is absolutely essential is a law that is iterated in every single spiritual tradition in human history, and it is known in Christian terms as the golden rule. It's that very simple exhortation to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat other people the way you would like to be treated yourself. But it doesn't just, you know, and it has huge ramifications in everything we do. Do we do that on Earth? No, we don't necessarily do that too well on Earth. So I think Maitreya is showing us in vivid 3D that adherence to these great laws is essential. And in fact, there is no possibility of future growth without them. And I think that it you know, it breaks down to that very simple adage that has been at the center of Share International's communications for many years. Without justice, there can be no peace. No, I'm sorry. Without sharing, there can be no justice. Without justice, there can be no peace. And without peace, there can be no future. Mm. That's a great encapsulation of what we're talking about here. And, and you, you speak of, there's two directions I want to go here. Um, Speaking of the law of karma, this is one direction, I do want to bring up that we often think of karma as just like what I do and what I get back. But karma can apply in uh, more collective ways as well. Indeed. Would you, like, would you like to speak on that? Well, I mean, you know, as just as people develop personal karma for good or ill, so do nations. There is national karma. There is collective karma. Uh and, you know, it plays out in a wide variety of ways. It's rather difficult, but, you know, when you have nations that are not behaving in a trustworthy manner, and I'm very sad to say that the nation we're living in is one of those nations, um, you know, it eventually reverts uh, that those, those causes come back to haunt us. And, you know, this has happened to us over and over in our in our relationship with the world. You know, we talk about Iran, Iran is an enemy, but, or we say that Iran is an enemy. Well, all you have to do is go back to 1953 and look at our involvement in the destabilization and unseating of Mr. Mossadegh in Iran, and I'll let people do that research on their own, to understand 
why the United States has got an ongoing conflict with Iran. I mean, you know, what you put into motion comes back to affect you. And this goes on and on and on. And I'm afraid that I am rather concerned for this country when I look back over our history over the last 60 years. Uh, but that's just one example of national karma that plays out with all nations. And, uh, you know. So we've got a very, very dense web of uh, interrelations <laughs> and right. relationships that uh, uh, in all likelihood require a bit of cleaning up. So we've, we've got uh, quite a few tasks ahead of us as humanity. Um, I think the next question, I'm thinking of the person listening to this, and their next question might be, well, you know, my country is doing all these things around the world that I may or may not agree with. It doesn't sound good. What what can I do? Right. Well, you know, there are also there's also a huge movement for justice in the world now, especially among young people, for political, economic, social, and environmental justice. And uh, the exceptional author Naomi Klein points out in her recent book, This Changes Everything About the Environment and Global Warming, that many, many, many young people are not getting involved in the traditional organizations. They're, go they're going down into blockadia, which is her term for referring to just protesting, getting down in the streets, demanding their will, demanding that, that more, demanding not their will, but demanding a more just solution to these problems, really getting involved, really getting down in the streets. And I fear that this is what it's going to take. We really have to, we really have to make it abundantly clear we, meaning humanity at large, that we do not want an unjust world, that we do not want a world where the status quo just keeps going along, business as usual, and the same problems keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, most especially at our, in our time, the problem of global warming. So we, as a united humanity, have to collectively demand and do everything that we can to demand this world. It seems futile to many, but I would remind them that a, un a unified human voice of many, many people calling for justice, calling for change, will eventually reach a critical mass whereby no power in the world can withstand it. And that is one of the reasons Maitreya is here. He will be a, he will voice the aspirations of millions. He will voice the aspirations of millions in a way that we have not seen before, in a manner of unprecedented power. And he will speak to and with us about these issues. And, you know, nothing will be able to withstand the call for change. And it's already taking place. I would like to make a point based on the forecasts. Going back to the time. Uh, as we spoke about before, no one ever thought that the monumental changes of the late 80s and 90s would come about. The freeing of Mandela, the fall of Thatcher, the election of Bill Clinton, the fall of the Berlin Wall, the, you know, the opening of more of warmer and more cordial relationships between the East and West. Nobody ever thought that that would happen. Things go along, they go along, they go along, and just when you think they, nothing will ever change, boom, change happens, and it happens quickly and very dramatically. It happened in the late 80s and the early 90s, and I think, 
and hope that we're in such a time now. We have gone on for quite some time now, and certain problems seem to be entrenched. They seem to get a little better, then they seem to get a little worse. But underneath all of this, there is momentum building, because a momentum and attention building that will eventually force the kind of change that we need. I truly do believe this. You can almost feel it happening. And you're extremely, I know you, you're extremely pragmatic and not prone to um, lofty ideas that have no grounding. And um, I certainly get a sense of hope just listening to you <laughs> and, and knowing who you are and, and, and what you know. Uh, so I really appreciate that insight. The purpose of this emergence really is to bring humanity close the human kingdom closer to the spiritual kingdom the spiritual kingdom closer to the human kingdom and we can only do that when we begin to act on the knowledge of who we are as divine beings and we're talking about many compelling ideas today centered around the law of cause and effect one of the the major laws of life that uh, it behooves us to follow. Mark, thanks for being on our show. And we're going to go to that final forecast of Maitreya that we wanted to share today. People want to read about Maitreya's forecast. They cover, they cover, we have it, we've only touched like the major, major, major events, but uh, there is a law of cause and effect between the, the, thought forms of humanity and how they affect the weather patterns. That's very much a, um, uh, an interconnection right there that we need to pay attention to, especially around environmental issues. Um, but you can find that information at share-international.org. So, Mark, what is, what is this forecast that well, uh, is yet to unfold? Well... It is yet to unfold, and it already has unfolded. It's one of those things that has gone through a back and forth over a couple of decades. In 1988, Maitreya predicted a worldwide stock market crash beginning in Japan. And at the time he predicted it, the Japanese economy was booming. Later throughout the 90s, as we know, the Japanese economy suffered a great deal. The worldwide it, stock market. It was market, actually the dominant economy in the world, the Japanese economy. When he time. made the prediction. Mm -hmm. And then, as we know, throughout the 90s, for a great portion of the 90s, the Jap Japanese economy was moribund and struggling. So he's just reading the times with respect to our unfortunate embrace of market capitalism. Now, he predicted the stock market crash, a worldwide stock market crash, and indeed it has happened. It started in Japan. It played out in various ways in throughout the 90s and the early 2000s. And then there was a major downfall in 2008, as we all know. The Dow Jones fell 34% that year. Some $6.9 trillion in market wealth was lost. Most of that wealth is not real wealth anyway because it's not connected to anything but speculation. But that's another matter. Since then, we have seen fit to build the stock market back up, but many financial experts believe that it will crash again. It, it will because we don't seem to be learning the lesson. And here, again, it refers to the law of cause and effect and what Maitreya is doing to try and demonstrate to us how 
our actions work themselves out in the world, inevitably the stock market will crash again because it is only based on zeros and ones. It's based on currency speculation and uh, commodity speculation. And most of the wealth, as many economists will tell you, is not real wealth. Real wealth is tied to what's real in the world, real apples, real whatever, real commodities. But speculating upon their value and speculating upon the value of various currencies, which is the kind of transaction that takes up a great deal of the stock market, it's, just, it's, a, it's a gambling casino, as Maitreya says. It's just gambling. And I'd like to read two direct quotes from Maitreya, if I may. Yes, he just lays it flat out. In January, February of 1990 in Sharon International, Maitreya said, market forces are the forces of wickedness, confusion, and chaos, and its children are competition and comparison. Market forces will bring this civilization, as we have known it, to the edge of disaster. Well, if we look around the world now, especially with global warming, and especially with a slightly improved but still very dire situation with respect to world poverty and the uh, discrepancy in living standards between the poorest of the poor and the very wealthy, then we see that, in fact, we are at the edge of disaster. We have terrorism. We have a very daunting challenge to face and to uh, resolve with respect to global warming. And there you have it. He made that prediction 25 years ago. And also in this country, for those of us paying attention, um, the, the economic situation of, of, of the middle class and, um, of course, you know, every, <laughs> anything uh, below that rather than above that has not advanced. Um, it's gotten worse. And I think students understand that competition and greed has taken over our universities, forcing students into massive debt. Uh, they're leaving universities uh, with pretty slim prospects. Um, I think it's very clear to, to anyone paying attention that uh, it's a shell game, our right. economic system, um, a gambling casino, as, as you quote Maitreya saying, and many, and that is expressing that dis, that dissatisfaction is expressing through our current uh, uh, presidential uh, season here, leading up to the elections. Right. Uh, very, very evident. Right. I'm just. I'm. I'm going to uh, repeat something Maitreya said in April this time of 1990, rather than January, or February. He reiterated his main point. He said market forces have created social and natural havoc. People have been condemned to death, literally, in the name of profit and loss. The new creed of the superpowers has become, quote, the economy, unquote, which is the soul of commercialization. This represents a serious new threat to the world, he said, in April of 1990. And mm. we can see very clearly that all of those things have played out. And that was 26 years ago. Exactly. And you will find... You will find uh, some of the great leaders of our time sounding those very notes presently, most especially Pope Francis. Mm. How close the words of Maitreya are to the things that Pope Francis is saying today. Or vice uh, versa. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. And based on a, a 2016 Oxfam report, rather startling, 
No, startling is not the word, but rather stupefying statistic that comes from Oxfam International. 62, 62 of the, world, of the world's wealthiest people have a collective net worth greater than the bottom half of the world's population. 62 people in our world have a collective net worth greater than 3.5 billion people. That's, that's pretty ghastly. I mean, picture, that's, that's uh, filling up a double-decker bus. Exactly. Okay. I mean, it's just extraordinary. So this kind of, this is precisely the kind of discrepancy and economic injustice that Maitreya says is fraught with so, make, so much tension it could easily lead to us destroying ourselves. Fortunately, he feels that we will not do that. And uh, my, my Treya, considering his record in, in forecasts, I, I'm going to I'm going to just take his word for it because well, uh, I need to. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be curled up in a ball. Exactly. Uh, not getting out of bed. Like, That's the good news. Yeah. Maitreya has said the end is known from the beginning mm. and my forces of light shall surely triumph. Mm. And when he says something like that, there is no doubt. Maitreya is in the world. He will appear very, very, very soon on a, on, a, uh, on a universal television link-up. He is right now working, very interestingly, as a very highly placed and highly respected advisor on international uh, political and economic affairs. And as I understand it, people who have had contact with him, you know, they... They wonder who this man might be. So extraordinary is his wisdom. So able is he to get right to the heart of serious problems and elucidate a solution. It also he's been appearing as an ordinary man on uh, news programs. I I think he's been in uh, a number of I don't know uh, half a dozen countries. Yes, he's given outlets. over 160 appearances and interviews. As it's an also, ordinary person, not saying, hey, I'm Maitreya, the world teacher. Well, it's very interesting what he's doing because our fundamentalist Christian friends would tell us, you know, would warn us, lo, there are many who will come before you saying that they are the Christ. Believe them not. And that is precisely what Maitreya is not doing. He's not proclaiming as yet his true status. On the day of declaration, he will proclaim his two status when he has been invited by the world's uh, media networks to speak. And at that day, he will overshadow the entire of humanity. We will see him on TV, but we will hear his voice inwardly in our own language. And we will hear what he has to say about our present state of affairs. He will give a short disquisition on where we come from, where we are, and how far we have to go and among other things. And at that moment, which is known as the Day of Declaration, we will know that the Bodhisattva, the great teacher for the age of Aquarius, has indeed returned. And it is, it is this man and only this man. And on that note, Mark, thank you. Thank you so much. for. Thank you, Salito. Appreciate it. Thank and, you. Uh, we'd love to have you back. Okay. Now, wasn't that fascinating? It appears that Maitreya has also forecast that mankind will save itself and in so doing express its inherent divinity in all arenas of life.
Now, I know that some of what we have predicted here, and some of what I'll mention before the show is over, may seem like a virtual paradise. While at the same time, we know that today is undeniably terrifying. But all we need to do is look at four pieces of evidence occurring now to see that there is hope. The first one I'll probably start with is one that we mentioned at the outset, which is the voice of the people, people power, which is peaceably toppling governments led by the youth of all people, and they have the solutions more so than a lot of adults do. Number two would be one of the richest men in the world, Jeff Bezos, being bested by his own employees who at Amazon, that juggernaut of a corporation, have created their first union. Fantastic news. And number three, the appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court of the first black woman. This in the United States is long, long overdue. And number four, scientists giving humanity a wake-up call and telling us that we need to cut global emissions in half within the next three years or else we'll reach the point of no return. And it's interesting to note that years ago, Maitreya had given predictions with a similar timeline, though not exact, and they dovetailed with the predictions of these scientists that have just come out this month. And going along with Maitreya's forecasts, thinking about the environmental crisis and the stock market, that despite all of that, humanity is going to pull back from the brink. We'll go up to it, but we will withdraw and we will survive. And this flies in the face of many naysayers who tell us that we're not gonna make it. But assuming we are, going with the predictions we have heard, there have also been predictions from Maitreya that we would, for instance, be granted access to what's known as the technologies of light. And with that, we would create new forms of transportation that are stress-free, quiet, seemingly motionless, inexpensive, and available to all. Thus, at last, making world travel within the grasp of everyone. And we all know the benefits of everyone getting to know everyone. Also, of course, one of his major priorities is ending world hunger, starvation, and poverty. And we are told by the estimates we have today that world hunger could be eliminated within just two to three years. And think of some of the others. Of course, the restoration of the Earth's environment and new healing modalities, unimaginable in today's terms. 
for instance, going into a clinic and receiving a new organ, coming out within a few hours. We see the beginnings of this with stem cell research, but it will go much further and much farther than that, eventually rendering surgery redundant. These and many other forecasts from Maitreya point to, as we've mentioned before, a new civilization of light and hope and justice and peace for all of humanity. We will continue to discuss these here at Planetary Makeover and thus with today's program we end where we began on a hopeful note for a wonderful future for everyone bar none. We hope to see you there and we hope to see you here very soon. Thank you for tuning in. Visit us on Facebook at hashtag Planetary Makeover. This show has been a production of planetarymakeover.org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.shareinternationalwest.org. That's shareinternational-west.org. For related books in DVDs and CDs by Benjamin Krem on the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, please go to share-ecart.com. That's share-ecart.com. We also invite you to watch another show that we really love, entitled, What in the World is Happening? And that show, which you don't want to miss, is produced by Share International Canada. And it airs every second and fourth Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time. The link to check it out is share-international.ca or visit the Share International Canada Facebook page.